Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm so excited for today's episode because I'm finally sharing my Paris Marathon experience and giving you a whole recap on it. I'm also answering some questions from Instagram and TikTok, so just sit back and relax, and we will just jump right into this episode. All right, welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited for this episode. And can I just say that two years ago, I never thought that I would be sharing this sort of experience recapping my third marathon. I started this podcast almost two years ago. It'll be two years in August. And I just, I started it right after I completed my first marathon. And I like thought that that was it. I thought that that was like my high. And here I am two years later, having gone to Paris and traveling for marathons, it's been, it was such a cool experience and I'm really excited to share more about it. But before we jump in, I'm going to share highs and lows for the week. So my high for the week was definitely just the trip within itself. The marathon was obviously a very big high, but if you don't follow me on social media, you probably won't see all of the obnoxious content that my friends and I were sharing. And when I say friends and I, I mean mostly me sharing content of them, but These friends are very, very special to me. I hadn't seen them in over two years since we graduated from our master's program. They are like my best friends in the world. And it was just such, it was so cool to reunite in Paris and have that Paris girls trip that we always dreamed of and we always talked about. So if you're listening to this and you've always thought about a girls trip somewhere with your girls, this is your sign. Go and book it. Just go and do it because it's so worth it. And girl time is like the best time. My low for the week definitely has to be like just being post-marathon and kind of being like in a lull between Paris and Berlin. I'm about 24 weeks, if not 23, out from the Berlin Marathon. So I've got some wiggle room and I've kind of just got some time to chill. But if I'm if I'm honest, I've had a really interesting week and I've been sharing about it on TikTok. But when I completed my first marathon, it took me about a week or so to kind of get back into running. And I was really sore. I mean, mind you, that marathon that I did was a trail marathon and had like over 2000 feet of elevation gain. So you could imagine that I was very sore for a very long time. But even with London, I did take a few days off. And I think it wasn't until like later in the week that I went and did some 5k. But I just noticed that kind of over the years with each marathon that I do, I noticed my body gets stronger and it's such a cool thing and such a rewarding thing, I think. And I've, I've just been running since about Wednesday this week, which is definitely not everyone's cup of tea. I know that people recover from marathons differently. So this is by no means like how you should be recovering from a marathon. And I think for me, because running is such a big part of my life, I just, it feels weird not to run and I just miss it so much. I definitely did enjoy my time off and just kind of taking a break and definitely having just like time to walk around Paris and Versailles and see the sights and eat all the good food, which by the way was like the perfect carbo-loading food for the marathon. But I definitely just missed running. I missed my routine and I'm really excited to see how I'm going to tackle Berlin. I'm not really going to get into it in this episode, but I've sort of lightly shared around the fact that I will be training for the Berlin Marathon on September 25th alongside Jack, who if you don't know is my boyfriend who I live with. He's 
gotten into the London Marathon. He's never run a marathon. The most that he's run is a half. And I'm really excited to train him up because he's excited. And I kind of think I've just been kind of playing around on Notion because I really like to use Notion for marathon training and just having that to kind of go to to see where I am in my training plan. But I've definitely been thinking about the difference in our training schedules and how his will be more of like a couch to marathon. And mine will definitely be more focused on things like my struggle areas in marathons. For me, it's always that like miles 20 to 26 that I really struggle. And so I am kind of wanting to focus on that and focus more like on speed and hill workouts, but also on hopefully getting more towards the four hour mark. So for the Paris Marathon, my final time was four hours, 13 minutes and 40 seconds. And my London time was four hours, 12 minutes, 26 seconds. So I was quite literally a minute and 14 seconds from PRing. So I'm definitely hungry for PR, hoping to do that in Berlin. But before I chatter too much and just keep going, off on tangents. Let's just jump into the episode. Okay, so we're going to start with a recap and my personal experience of the Paris Marathon, and then we'll jump into some questions from TikTok and Instagram. But first and foremost, I just want to say a very exciting thing happened. I was doing a sponsorship with Sports Direct. They were sponsoring me for the Paris Marathon, and I did an Instagram takeover on their Instagram, and it was so much fun, and I'm genuinely still shocked that I am doing a sponsorship with Sports Direct, and I'm so excited to finally be able to say that. It's been so cool to kind of create content with them and all the products that they've sent have been really, really cool. And I'm very grateful for the experience and the work that I'm doing with them. But that in spe- that specifically was really cool. And I think part of me was kind of worried that I'd be too distracted throughout the run trying to kind of get content for this Instagram takeover. But in the end, I genuinely was happy with it. And I think they were happy with it. And it was just a good time. And I think it really reminded me to just have fun because I think that sometimes I can get very in my head about getting too serious with marathons and races. And so I genuinely just was like, having a great time and just really enjoying it. Seeing the sights as someone who's never been to Paris, it was really cool to see Paris along that route for 26 miles. But let's rewind to the very beginning and start of the day. So I, let's just say that we started with a sort of rushed morning. I was trying to get out the door and I needed a coffee before I went with my friend to hunt down some coffee. And by the time we found coffee, drank my coffee, I was, I I looked at the time and I realized that I was probably going to be late after I took transport, after I took the metro to get to where I needed to get to for my specific group. So I was in the four hour group and there was a specific time that you had to meet at and like a recommended time with like a cutoff time. And so I get on the metro, I go down, first my ticket's not working. So I have to talk to the ticket guy in the office. Then my ticket gets fixed. I get on the train and there was one stop where I kid you not, it stalled for like five minutes and I have never been so anxious in my life because I was like so worried that I was gonna miss my group and I was gonna miss the star and miss the race. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like 16 weeks of training for this. But no, I got there and I think my one thing with Paris was that there, it was just very confusing to me in terms of like where the groups were standing. At the expo, it was very clear and it was clearly indicated with like different flags for different group times. And 
I just, I maybe it's because it was on me and I got there late, but I was honestly, I got out of the metro station and I was like sprinting around and like asking people and like pointing at my bib and saying like, where do I go? I'm, I'm in the four hour group and like my, my, you know, cutoff time is literally in like two minutes. And I was honestly, I was freaking out. And I finally found them just to find that like everything was being pushed back a half hour. And so I was also worried that I wouldn't be able to go to the bathroom. So I got to go to the bathroom and and that was great because I actually had a poo. <laughs> and that was definitely good to do before the marathon because I've definitely heard horror stories of people who have pooed during a marathon. And knock on wood, I have still not done that. I have yet to pee or poo during a race. TMI, I know, but I've never stopped to like use a porta potty and I think that in my head I'm just like I'm just like that's wasted time that's wasted energy and I need to just save it all for the race and yeah long story short I was okay I thought I wasn't I thought I was gonna be late I thought I was gonna miss my group and miss like the entire race but I was okay so I go to the bathroom I get to the start and I'm really really excited and then we you know kick off and then we start and I feel really really good for the first five miles went by super easily, great crowds, really exciting. We're still sort of in the center of Paris. And then I hit the 10 mile mark and mind you, I was taking like videos of like each mile mark. And then I would do a video of myself saying something every five miles. So that was kind of an indicator to me, at least with like the videos that I created for TikTok around like, okay, at five miles, I felt really good. 10 miles, I was starting to feel a little bit of soreness, but I was still okay. And like, it was definitely something that I could just push through. Mile 15, I started to really feel it. And there was, there were a little bit of hills, but I was okay. But I was definitely starting to feel some pain. I had some great goos with me. My friend Suin from New York, shout out to Suin. She got me all these super cool flavors from goo that the UK does not have. And so I was trying out all these new flavors, really exciting. I know that you're not meant to like have things that your body's not used to, but I totally trust goo and I love goo. And if goo's listening, please sponsor me. Anywho, I was having my goos. I was eating some energy blocks as well from goo. Um, so I was feeling really good. And then like miles 16 to 18 genuinely felt like a high. That was like my runner's high point. And I was really proud of myself and I was really excited because I genuinely felt just really, really good. And in the London Marathon, if you listen to that episode, that recap episode, right when I hit the halfway point, right when I hit 13 miles, I actually started to feel a lot of pain in my legs and knees. And so I decided to kind of slow down a bit and take it easy for the second half. And I think because Jack got us a massage gun, I brought it with me. And so every night I was massage gunning my legs. And I, I don't know if anyone's like this, but I because I stopped running a few days before a marathon, my legs get like, I don't know if it like makes sense, but they get like anxiously tense and like sore. Even though I'm not running, we did not do like an insane amount of walking or anything in Paris, but my legs did that last year before London. And I don't know what it is, but like everything in my body just gets really nervous, like knowing that I'm about to go and do a marathon. But yeah, I think that maybe that was part of it. Also, like my friends were at the six kilometer and the 25 kilometer marks. And I think that there is so much to be said about having friends and family at your races. And it's like the biggest boost of adrenaline, of energy when you see them with their signs. And they were so cute. They like ran with me for both parts and it was hilarious. And they got videos of me. I got videos of them. And they were like, that was what I needed. I definitely needed both of those moments to kind of just have with them and just like 
amp myself back up. And then when I hit mile 18, um, mind you also Nicole, shout out Nicole below average running. She was sending me voice notes. She was sending me voice notes literally while she was on her own run. I believe she was on like a 12 mile run, but she was sending me voice notes and she was sending me screenshots and saying like, you're doing so well, like go Liz. And it was so encouraging. But then what got me was at mile 18, she sent me a voice note that was like, you're doing awesome. You're killing it. And she told me that the app basically said that if I kept that pace up that I was at at mile 18 and kind of up until mile 18, I was on track to run a four hour, four minute mile, which is insane because that would have been like an eight minute PR. But yeah, I, I got really, really excited about that and got like a little bit emotional. and was just like, oh my gosh, like, is this actually going to happen? Um, and then I hit mile 20 and Honestly, like up until then, like I was taking selfies with the Eiffel Tower. I was having a great time and I hit mile 20 and I definitely just started to enter the pain cave and everyone knows and everyone like talks about that last 10K, those last six miles. That is my struggle area and that was definitely the pain zone for me because as great as it is to hit mile 20 and like know that you only have six more miles, I saw someone commented on one of my videos and was like, yeah, mile 20 is actually the halfway mark. And that is honestly the most real thing I have ever heard because up until then, like you hit mile 13 and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm cruising. I'm doing great. You know? And then you hit mile 20 and it's like, oh my gosh, my legs like hurt so badly. And I was doing weird things. I, whenever I'm running marathons, I talk to myself a lot because as much as I love the city crowds with like big city marathons, I honestly have to like do that positive self-talk to like reinforce that, you know, to tell myself to keep going and that I'm okay. And even if like parts of my body were hurting, I would just like, I was doing this weird thing where I would like touch that part of my body. So like parts of my legs and just say like, you know, it's going to be fine. That's going to heal. That's going to, you know, I'm going to feel better. The soreness will go away. And, you know, always telling myself that the soreness will go away because for me, my body kind of shifts between areas of soreness. So for this marathon, it was definitely between my knees and my lower back. And I think that that's mostly due to the fact that like, A, my biggest thing for marathons is not stopping. And <laughs> I've only successfully done this the past two marathons, which I'm very proud of. But because I don't stop for the whole four plus month, hours and 26 miles, my back gets really painful, especially in the lower back. And I do have a bit of scoliosis. I found out in like middle school and I've never really done anything about it, but I've always had a bit of back problems and just back pain. And so that was definitely something that I was feeling a lot during those last six miles and just like putting my hands on my lower back and trying to sort of massage them as I ran, um, all while taking in more food and more water. And it was genuinely, it started out as a cold day, but it got pretty warm pretty quick. And it was cold in Paris, but like if you were directly in the sun with like no wind, it was pretty warm. And so I was very grateful for my hydration backpack. I ended up having something like, I think three or four, no, I'd end up having four gel, three gels, a whole packet of energy blocks, as well as a goo stroopal waffle, which I genuinely did not think that I was going to have that because I've always only been about water and gels during marathons and races. But that was like my saving grace at mile 22 because I was like, I just, I'm hungry and I want like real food. And it was funny because like all the water stations that they had at the Paris Marathon, you had your water, you had like 
halves of bananas but then you had like all of these like biscuits and like cookies and it was such a like Paris thing I feel like because I've never seen that just like buckets of like little mini pastries and things and I just ended up keep um continuing on with like what I had and what I I had brought but it definitely was a very tough last six miles and those are the six miles where even if you're running in a big city marathon it really is you amping yourself up and telling yourself to keep going because that is genuinely the hardest part of the marathon and it's hard because you know that you're so close but yet so far and yeah it was genuinely really hard and I really struggled and you can see it in my splits like from miles 1 to 20 I keep my mile times within nine minutes but then as soon as I hit mile 21 to 25 they're all within 10 minutes so I definitely slowed down but then for the last mile I was just like I am so close and I was watching my watch the entire time and so I knew that if I just gave it all my all I just decided to go for it and so I sprinted a lot of the last mile but unfortunately got past the finish line with a minute and 14 that you know I think I get really kind of I hold myself to a very high standard and lots of people know this. Jack knows this. Um, my therapist knows this. And I I called Jack immediately right when I crossed the finish line after taking some selfies, of course. And I just said, what was my final time? What was my final time? Because I knew that my watch wasn't going to tell me and my app wasn't like loading on my own phone. And so, and he told me my time and I just said, oh my gosh, you know, I was a minute and 14 seconds off. And I definitely was down about it for a little bit I'm not gonna lie and Jack kind of had to say he was telling me like stop like you did amazing like stop talking badly to yourself and I think that it's really important to remember with marathons that like it's not like the end-all be-all and you can there's always going to be another marathon and even though you think that like this is the one marathon you'll ever do I think like arguably once you finish a marathon you see that like you know, you can, you literally watch and like feel how much your body can go through and like how strong it is that you do sign up for a second one. I'm very surprised at people who only ever do one because I'm like, no, like I feel like once you sign up for one and you run one, you will get the bug. But in the end, I just kind of got, I just told myself, you know, this is just going to be, this will be my focus for Berlin and This was really close, but I know that I can beat four hours, 12 minutes, 26 seconds. But I ended up crossing and getting my medal, getting my stuff, finding my friends. Um, Surprisingly, took some great photos for post-marathon, but my friend Suwin is genuinely so good with a camera. And so I, I love the photo that she got. And if you haven't seen that, make sure to go and check it out on my both my Instagram and my podcast Instagram, they're linked in the show notes. But yeah, genuinely just overall, such a good run and such a high. And I'm so proud of myself. And I, it's still crazy to think that like, I literally went from running a marathon to just like going back to our Airbnb, you know, calling family and friends and Jack and talking about it. But then we just went to dinner. And the next day I was just back out and like we were sightseeing again. And I think it just shows that like, I've definitely really gotten sort of a hang of like not only marathon training but being able to rest when I need to and properly stretch you know use the massage gun and just roll my shin splints my legs and just take better care of myself in between runs I think that's the biggest thing if you want to be successful with distance running is you have to take care of yourself you have to have days off and just prioritize your overall well-being both mentally and physically 
All right, so now we're going to jump into the questions. If you ever want to ask a question for future podcast episodes, I always share about it on my podcast Instagram story, and I'll just share a little question box. So make sure to go and follow so that you know when I will do another Q&A, but I'm just going to jump in. There are quite a few, so I'm really excited. But the first one is, why do you run almost every day? I run three times and cross train the other days, wondering what's the difference and what are the benefits to both? So... I have kind of done both sides of this. So with my first marathon, I was doing like half running, half cross training, but I would say, or not cross training, I was doing like, I'd say 60% running and then 40% hit workouts. And previous to running and previous to like my running journey, I was really into high intensity interval work training and doing workouts by people like Sarah's Day on YouTube and following those sorts of training plans. That's something that I definitely want to get back into. And I've spoken to Jack a lot about going to the gym together because I am starting to feel a little bit, not bored, but like, like knowing that running's like the one thing that I do, I do want to mix it up. And I do kind of like that feeling of like craving something different. And so I'll always try and mix it up. And I think this past round was the only round where I didn't do very much cross training. So I'd say my first round of marathon training, I did like a 60-40 split between running and HIIT workouts. The second round for the London Marathon, I actually did mostly running and then I would swim every Friday. I would swim 100 laps and it was a little crazy, but genuinely, I think that there are so many benefits to swimming. I swam as a kid on a club team for maybe like a year. It wasn't very long, but there's so much, there's so much, so many benefits to swimming just because it really helps you with your breathing. And I think that that probably was a lot to, that probably helped me a lot in the London Marathon just because it really helped me get a better control of my breathing and kind of know when to slow down, know when to catch my breath and how to catch my breath. I think that that also goes for like, it goes hand in hand with like trying to not stop the entire marathon and just keep running is when you start to feel yourself get out of breath to just slow down and slow your running down to catch your breath without like stopping and coming to a full stop. I think that breathing plays a huge part into running and being able to kind of get your breath under control can help you massively. So definitely it's, you know, you can you can do whatever feels best to you. This past round, I did probably like 90% running. And then on Fridays, I would do yoga, which I think was helpful with like stretching and things like that, because that's something that I've definitely, that I wasn't doing as much. So I'm happy that I've sort of reintroduced stretching. But I think that I might be looking at maybe going to the gym, maybe more home workouts and like doing more cross training again this round, especially as I have a little bit of wiggle room between now and Berlin. Next question, hydration during and fueling while training. Super important. I, so I think that this is, this is going to be different for everyone and dependent on what your body needs. So for me, I will start to wear my hydration backpack on my back during training, anything like 15 miles and up really, because I think that for me, hydration is so important and I can't, my thing is I can't hold things in my hands. So I don't like to hold those little handheld water bottles, but I think it's finding what works best for you. But for me, I think 
like having water readily available to me and knowing that I'll have enough to survive an entire run and not just like what's in a little water bottle is super helpful for me. And like it needs to be hydration pre, during, and post run because it's so important to replenish your electrolytes as well. So highly recommend like getting electrolyte tablets and just throwing that in a glass of water post run, even pre run. It helps massively just to kind of help rehydrate your body and yeah, replenish those electrolytes that you lose during running. But I think fueling obviously as well during training is really important. So, you know, whether you're a student or you work or whatever you do, I think it's really important not to like create like this mentality that you have to go on some diet or anything. I think it's really more so thinking about, okay, what's going to fuel me best for my run tomorrow or for my long run on Saturday? For me, it's always, I've never really talked much about diet just because I've obviously shared episodes around my battle with anorexia. And so I know what it's like to kind of hear someone else talk about diet. So I never want to trigger anyone. But if I kind of just talk about it broadly, my diet is pretty much pretty open. I don't, I just tend to try and eat more like whole foods rather than processed foods. And then the only intolerance that I have is dairy. So other than that, other than that, I tend to eat just about everything. And then I try and just make Jack and I balanced meals. And we obviously have like we wouldn't even call it cheat days, but like we do a Sunday roast every Sunday and just eating foods that like feel good and make you feel good, but also like having those favorite foods and not, you know, limiting yourself or, you know, depleting yourself of what you actually want to have. And if you're craving something, you know, having that one Oreo instead of like, if you want to have Oreos, have an Oreo, don't have the entire pack. But if you go and try and replace it with something like, you know, a smoothie or an apple in the end, like maybe it'll, you know, satisfy that. But for the most part, I think it's, it's a healthier mindset to just go and have the one Oreo and know that you've satisfied that craving but as long as you do it in a healthy way, if that makes sense. But that's all I'm going to say on diet because again, I don't want to talk too much about it or trigger anyone. But yeah, next question, tips for traveling for first half marathon. So this was my second time traveling this, but this was like my kind of first, I guess, international traveling for a marathon. My very first marathon, my parents and I did a road trip to Oregon for that, which was a lot of fun. But definitely if you're like flying or taking a train, I know for Berlin, Jack and I will be flying to that. Um, I think it's just really important to remember like every little thing that you need on race day, like down to everything that you do before. Like packing the massage gun was so important to me and remembering like Vaseline to put on my body for the race. You have to kind of go through that mental checklist and also like make sure that you make a physical checklist just so that you don't forget anything. Because if you're like flying to a foreign country or, you know, somewhere where you're not familiar with and you forget something, it might be hard to go and like find a replacement or find a way to kind of, yeah, replace that and like still have that for your race day. And I think it's like, pretty I mean I I kind of had like half my suitcase filled with just race stuff and I also will like give myself a few options for race day outfits depending on the weather as well but yeah I think it's just mostly about like making sure that you have like everything next question are you going right to training for Berlin if not will you be doing some sort of base so yeah as I've mentioned a few times I'm not going right into training for Berlin I'm still kind of figuring out what I want to do with that and I think for me 
I, it's always been a long-term goal to like write my own training plans because I already do like to kind of go online and find a training plan that fits me. And then I'll kind of play around with the days with like what fits in my schedule, dependent on work and that sort of thing. But I... I'm definitely really wanting to think of, you know, workouts that will help me with like speed workouts and helping me sort of recover from moments during my run that I feel really drained, really dead. And I'm still kind of researching and figuring out ways to train for that. And I think it's really hard because obviously you can't train for every single moment in the marathon. You can't train for injuries. You can't prepare yourself for, you know, getting a muscle strain at like mile 20. You you just have to kind of like anything can happen on race day, but I think you can only prepare yourself so much. So I'm not going to be too hard on myself to like perfect and make the perfect training plan and that sort of thing. But I think I definitely just want to think about it a little bit more since it'll be my fourth time marathon training and just think about things like what I want to do for cross training days and just implementing more workouts that will help me strengthen other parts of my body. So I'm definitely at the moment, like this past week has definitely been just like keeping up some endurance and I've just done nothing more than seven miles each day. So I've done, I did four miles on Wednesday, five miles on Thursday and then four miles yesterday as well and then I did seven miles today but I'll be resting tomorrow so I'm kind of keeping some sort of like a base going but I'll definitely keep you guys updated on Instagram and TikTok as to like when I am like ready and prepared with a marathon plan for Berlin. What was your best moment of the marathon? Um, I love that question. I, that's really hard because there were so many good moments of the marathon. And like, I think like obviously seeing my friends was really, really fun and, you know, super great and such a confidence booster. But I don't know what it was, but like that voice note that I mentioned from Nicole, it just gave me chills. And like, I think I even texted her back like chills. Um, but I think I just, cause I remember I went and like voice noted Jack and was sending him selfies as well. But it was like, oh my gosh, Nicole said that like I might make for four hours, four minutes. And, you know, I think I was just really shocked at myself that I felt as good as I did in that moment, like at mile 18. And so I think that was definitely, and just like feeling that runner's high is just always like an unreal feeling like no other. And so I think like all the feels and the runner's high was just like in that moment. And it just felt really good, even though I still had like eight miles to go for the marathon. But it genuinely, it's so hard to pick a moment, but I definitely see that some of those were definitely up there. And then last question, um, Sophie's got her first marathon in eight weeks, how to get over the fear of how far it is. This is, yeah, this is pretty, it's like 26 miles is super daunting. And I think when you get in your head about it, it's kind of, it's not helpful, I guess. <laughs> um, and I think with like training plans as well, my thing is like, if you can run a half marathon, you can run a marathon. And I know that if you think about it, that's like, you know, two half marathons put in one. So running like a half marathon twice, but like, there's a reason that a lot of training plans will stop you and like the biggest run will be anywhere between 20 and 23 miles. There's a reason that it doesn't take you to the full 26 because knowing that you can do that long run, whether it's 20 miles, 21, 22, 23 miles, if you complete that, you can do a full marathon. And like practicing these longer runs, it's it's all about building that endurance to kind of keep you going for that entire 26 miles. And there are different tactics that a lot of people do to sort of break it up in your head. 
my first marathon, I literally was like counting down, like I hit mile one and I was like, okay, 25 miles to go, 24 miles to go. And, or if you want to break it up, I think that something that really helped me this past marathon was knowing like, okay, I'm going to talk to the camera and just say how I'm feeling every five miles. So knowing that I was going to check in with myself, like in the next five miles, that kind of helped me break it up a bit because then it was like, you know, at mile five, at mile 10, at mile 15, 20. And then once you get to 25, you've got a mile left and you're basically like, you know, nearly there. Um, And so I think like little tactics like that really help. Also like using like your gels. So knowing like if you space out like when you want to take your gels, then you can kind of think of it as like, okay, well in four miles, I get to have my ne- my next gel. And I think just thinking about it in increments whether, rather than like this massive 26 miles. But I think with the proper training and just following the right training plan, making sure that you're on top of hydration, nutrition, and sleep, you can run a marathon. And I think it's always crazy because I think like if you look at statistics, there is such a low percentage of people who actually run marathons. But then if you go and watch a marathon, like on a race day, there are like thousands of people running the marathon. And like people of all different backgrounds, whether they're elite runners, whether this is like their fifth marathon, their 10th marathon, or if it's their first one. So I think there's like, there's a lot to say about atmosphere as well, depending on like where your marathon's going to be. And if it's like a big city marathon, that also is such a helpful part in being successful in your marathon, because I definitely feel like there's like energy that like comes off of the crowd that you can kind of pick up and it really helps with like motivating yourself when you feel like you can't. So I think like definitely it's hard not to get in your head about it. And like I said earlier, I still get like pre-race nerves and that comes for me in the form of like tense muscles and really sore muscles, even though I take days off before from running. And so I think no matter what, you know, think of it as like everyone's just as nervous as you to run this marathon. It's not just you. You know, you're not the only one that's getting in your head. But if you get two in your head, you're going to hold yourself back from being successful in finishing that marathon. So definitely keep your head up. You can absolutely do it. You'll smash it. And yeah, eight weeks is also like very, very close. So best of luck. But I think with that, that is going to end the questions and end the episode. But I really wanted to thank everyone for like asking questions and making this a fun episode. And I'm so happy that like I have this platform to share these experiences on because it's also really fun for me to kind of like document almost like these different experiences and, you know, be able to look back on like London and how I felt after London. And so definitely watch the space. Lots of Berlin Marathon content coming soon, including helping Jack train up for London Marathon. So if you're like a first time marathon runner or you're thinking about running a marathon, you can definitely tune into that because as much as he's nervous, he is very excited. So definitely stay tuned and I will see you later. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. As always, I've got links in my show notes for ways to connect with me on social media. But most importantly, the very first link is a link to my charity with Alzheimer's Society. I'm running with them for the Berlin Marathon for with the Alzheimer's Society team. So definitely do check that out and donate if you can. Otherwise, I will see you in the next episode. Bye.